Hey gang, Ross Brand here for LivestreamUniverse.com. Welcome. This is Ask the Expert. It's our monthly show where we feature an expert in some area of business, social media, marketing, live streaming, and we take your questions. So please do. This shows more about your questions and your issues than any other show that we do. So please do bring your questions. We have a terrific guest tonight. And of course, we need to tell you that tonight's show as always, is presented by Livestream Universe. Check us out, livestreamuniverse.com. And let's bring in Melanie Vesey. <laughs> yep, you got it right. <laughs> I stumbled a little bit, but we got it. So Melanie has a fascinating background. She's an actor, director. She's done stand-up comedy and still is doing stand-up comedy. Um, but let me give her the formal introduction about what we're going to talk about tonight, PR, but we're going to get into some of those other areas as well. And Melanie's a PR consultant. She's the owner of Promotional Rescue, started her PR career at a Los Angeles boutique record label and quickly moved up the ranks to vice president of public relations, using her talents as an accomplished director and writer to create and oversee content. She then transitioned into having her own PR firm where she helped award-winning artists and creative small business owners grow their audience and visibility with much success through one-on-one -on -one PR consulting strategy sessions and workshops. Melanie's passion about helping people see their creative projects and creative small business ideas through to larger ideas like press, reviews, features, and much more earning capacity. So she's a great person. If you have any questions about how you're doing promoting your business, your personal brand, um, your live stream show, your podcast, <laughs> your social media accounts, whatever it is, Melanie is uh, definitely the person to ask. So please do uh, throw questions in the chat. And in a little bit, I'll also give out the link and you can actually come in and ask a question if you'd like to. Uh, but Melanie, welcome. It's great to have you on the show, and it's great. Uh, we just met for the first time. I feel like we're talking like we've known each other for years. This is it. It's happening now. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for having me. <laughs> oh, it's great to have you on. Thanks for joining us. Um, I, I think the, where I want to start is um, we hear so much about marketing today. Marketing, marketing, marketing. Do you? How do you? Do you draw a line between PR and marketing? Is it just a, is it a branding thing? Is it, wh wh where's PR and where's marketing in the spectrum of things? <laughs> oh my God, this is the, this is the million dollar question. So in, in 2017, what's happened is, is that everything is kind of melded together. There was the old model where you had separate people, right? So say you had a company or say you're a uh, you know, musician or whatever, and you want to get some press around it you would hire that PR person that would specifically be getting you press. Uh, and that was just their job, right? And then you'd hire someone separate to do your, your marketing. And then you would hire someone separate to do your branding. And you would hire someone separate to do your copywriting and all of that stuff. Um, but what happens is now is that most people are running their own show, right? So just like people, just like you and I, right? And probably right. most of your viewers, because of the internet, which is so freaking cool, there's no more gatekeepers anymore. You want to launch your business, you want to write your book, you want to put out your album, you want to make your movie, go for it, right? But that means that most people these days are doing, you know, at least five different jobs, one person, right? So five different jobs. So 
Um, so everybody should know how to do all of these things, at least to hook themselves up, right? So that they're getting eyeballs on what they're doing. Cause if they're not doing, if it's not actually like earning or, or anybody seeing it, well, then you don't have a company or you don't have a project. It's, it's not even like it happens. So even in the world of traditional PR, things have really changed because of something like social media, because that is relating to your public. It's not just about getting press because now if a social media influencer puts you in front of their audience, is that press? Is that, what? what is that, right? So it starts to get really confusing, right? So it has to be a part of a larger strategy. So most people are doing all of those jobs. And let's say you have enough money to pick from any one area, right? You could go for press, you could go for advertising and billboards and TV or radio, you could go for social media and, mm -hmm. and some souped up website, but you don't have enough money to do all of them. Where mm -hmm. would, wh which one, and I know it's going to depend and ideally you would do them all, but let's say in general, where do you find your clients are getting uh, the most for their money? So God, that is a really great question. So um, even my clients that can afford uh, bigger publicists, um, you know, whether they're musicians or actors or what have you, and they hire publicists, but what the publicist doesn't do is the publicist doesn't help them in every other area. So even mm -hmm. if they do get featured in a magazine or uh, on, you know, someplace print or whatever online, um, the publicist doesn't then help them capitalize on that piece of press. They're just like, here you go, you know, and then it's like, oh, okay, well, now what? Like, I just, like, where does it go? Where does it live? I've had so many clients that have come to me and they've gotten great press, but they didn't feature it on their website. They didn't post it on their social media. They didn't do anything with it. They didn't then lead with that when reaching out for other projects as well. Like, oh, hey, I've been featured in blah, blah, blah. Like they didn't even know what to do with it. Right. So it's really important to think about it as like a whole pie. And, and also an answer to your question, I like to tell people that if you're gonna take a chunk of money and you're gonna sink it anywhere, make sure to think about long term, not mm -hmm. just blowing it all in a month. You know what I mean? Like, blah, you know what I mean? It's like, if you can spend $5,000, can you spend that $5,000 over six months? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, because the longer you do it, the more momentum, it takes a while for people to attach to whatever it is that you're doing, because you have to tell them so much. You have to tell them so many times that this is what's happening. This is when it is. This is what you know. You can right, right. promote the hell out of everything. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. So welcome, Jay. Good to see you. Welcome, Sarah's here. Terry Johnson. Thanks, everybody, for joining us, David. Uh, please do share it out if you can. Uh, we'd appreciate it. Hey, Eric, good to see you. Uh, and he's just got to know how to work. That's absolutely true because there's, there, you know, it can be overwhelming. I mean, it, it is work and it, it can be a lot of work because there's more options than ever. Um, I mean, be, before, right, you, 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 like you said, you would hire somebody to do publicity. Maybe you'd oversee if you were very involved. Mm -hmm. uh, what they do and, you know, you, you know, when deadlines are for different publications and then you go home and you go to sleep and you think, okay, I did the best I could. Right. How wonderful. <laughs> I mean, How great. right. That, that it never ends now. I mean, Hey, Claudia, Claudia Santiago. Good to yeah. see you. So, um, I mean, does it matter as much? 
that you're like, like, let's say you're working with a musician, right? And they're trying to uh, sell seats in a venue in a city they're going to play in, or they have a, I don't know, do they make money off of uh, new music anymore? Or is that? Oh my God, that is the, <laughs> that is the best question. It's so funny. I have a really great client right now. We put out two music videos. We're working on a third, and he was just like, "Where's the music sales?" And I was like, this is the this is the challenge, right? And then this morning when I woke up, so Steely Dan has to go back on tour. This is a guy with decades of Grammy award winning music, right. is not earning enough from sales, from unit sales, that he has to go back on tour. This guy's in his 70s, right? So this is the thing about the new generation of, especially with the music industry, I'm really interested to see where this goes because people have to, especially like, even people like Beyonce, they earn right. more from touring, merch, licensing, getting their stuff on a TV show than they do from units, which is sad because I feel like people should pay for their freaking music. You know, right, I'm, right. I'm from that generation where you need to pay. You don't just steal an album from somebody, you know, but that's just the new the new thing is streaming and it's and they don't pay out as much and all of that stuff so yes so i i can't remember where this all started but like yeah people don't make money from selling albums anymore so it has to be done other ways yeah and i mean terry johnson is a is a fan of steely dan so their misfortune yes. is is to her benefit but she mentions that a lot of old school acts are touring yeah. more now and in fact if i was to listen to um you know who's going who's going on tour now it's not that different than when i was like seven years old oh my god i was driving and there was a sign that the psychedelic furs the fix uh all of my favorite bands for the 80s were playing and i was like yes which i mean is great because i get to see right. them but probably a bummer for them that they have to that they these are people that sold probably millions of albums but aren't earning enough at this stage because of the way that our, our, the system is set up now for musicians. It's actually not awesome. I really wish it was different for them. Oh, welcome, Michael Murphy, who says the Who is on tour. I thought love I saw the I, Who. I saw love like the who. last concert in uh, in 1989 or something. <laughs> they are never going to tour again. I, I mean, geez. no, no, those bands can't need money, right? I mean, <laughs> well. I mean, that's a really good question, but if he, I mean, this is just my assumption. I'm not Pete Townsend. I don't, I don't know what his earning is like or whatever, but when you've been accustomed to a certain level of, of earning and you've got a life that is supporting that, whether that's wives and children's and home and <laughs> like all of these things, and you're not making 60 million anymore, you're making two, you know what I mean? Like, right. what do you do? That is a completely different world. Yes, you have to go back out on tour at 108. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Murphy says he saw them. He saw the Who in 1982. I think it's 82. Yeah, for yeah. $12. Show off. I'm jealous. <laughs> now that'll get you a bottle of water. Exactly. Yeah. At the Who concert, you know, yeah. But, totally. but so with these bands going on tour, whether it's old bands, whether it's new artists, is it more important for them to get a good review in Rolling Stone or to get uh, on MTV and get interviewed or get, um, I mean, do they even do music interviews anymore on MTV? But you get the idea. Get I on do. TV in the I local really market. Do. And is that, you know, get written up in a positive review or a positive, you know, a feature that they're coming to town, one of those pre-concert features that you see a lot? Or, yeah. or 
or even in a niche a niche publication in a city or is it more important for them to get momentum online and be blowing up with a video on youtube or you know have an active website and fan club and fan base and all like wh wh where's the strategy now because it used to be like you hit the newspapers and the and the tv stations right mm -hmm. when you come into when you're trying to sell tickets in a city mm -hmm. so unfortunately i would say all of it um wow. i would have to say all of it right so even if you're a new band unfortunately rolling stone doesn't feature emerging artists so right. then you got to take it a, a tier down so what would be the blogs and the podcasts that would feature those bands right so then you got to do outreach around that but you also have to remember that bloggers and podcasters things of that sort they're in the same game just as much as the band is right so hopefully the band has a following as well right so that the right. two can actually have a healthy collaboration right if someone's got 13 followers and someone's got 13 million, you know what I mean? Of course that person that with the 13 followers wants to be on the 13 million platform. Right. The 13 million platform probably isn't as interested as the 13 platform, right? So it's one of those things where you have to be attractive to both sides of it, right? So everybody feels like they're in a healthy collaboration. So first you do, you reach out to the big guys who will actually take you. Then you reach out to the mid-level and you get all the way down to just the fans, right? So. <laughs> those people are going to be sharing and talking about that stuff just as much as well. But here's the thing. The best PR is to have the best product, right? Mm -hmm. So still got to be good, right? So right. you still got to write a good book. You still got to have a good thing. You, you can't forget about that stuff as well. You still got to work on your craft. You still got to make sure that you hire a great producer, especially for music that's creating awesome stuff for you. You can't phone that in. But if you're working so hard on your craft, Who's right. taking care of the promotion side of it? And this is why people get torn apart because it's it, it's it's really too much for one person. And that's where you come in. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so we're talking with uh, Melanie Vesey on Ask the Expert. Uh, do do throw your questions in the comments. We want to get get your questions in here. Any questions about how you can do better at promoting your business, your personal brand, your Whatever it is that you're working on, your music, your podcast, your live stream show, um, you mentioned books, and that's kind of an interesting topic, right? Because there's so many people now with books and who are doing speaking, and it used to be you could make money doing those things, right? Mm -hmm. And now it's it's more like an accessory to getting a good client or getting some other form of business or whatever. I mean, does that change how authors and you know, public figures are promoting themselves or is it still the same, the same process? It's just, there isn't as much reward at the end. It comes yeah. from what that book leads to or what that public appearance leads to. Yeah, no, that's a really great question. It's so funny. I was on a, a panel for uh, self-publishing writers actually just last week doing a similar kind of thing. Um, and yeah, a lot of people use books as like a kickstand as kind of like a lead generator um, people do, if you're smart about it, so every time, so, and a lot of stand-up comedians now have books coming out. I, I, Whitney Cummings was on a show I did last week. She's got a book out. Uh, Eliza Schlesinger, I, I always screw up her last name. She's got a book out. So all of these comedians have these books. Why? It's because it's something that they can sell to somebody when they get to that the event, right? So even though she's maybe sold out that venue, now she's got a 20 or 25 or 30 or $40 book that somebody can buy in addition to like a t-shirt and a mug, right? So it becomes this thing that's an extra way for people to earn, which is great. Um, but for smaller people, and if you're self-publishing, it is a way to say, 
published author. It is something mm -hmm. that they can tack on to their name. Um, and again, yes, for sales, but unless you're promoting it properly, um, it, it might not get the traction that you had really hoped that it would. Welcome, Mitch Jackson. Good to see you. Uh, great job on Stephanie's show earlier. Um, you know, when you look at, um, you know, authors and, and anybody who's trying to in the creative world, right? I mean, obviously, we know not all authors write their own books or are very creative, right? Yeah. Let's go with it. And <laughs> um, musicians, <laughs> anybody like like that, um, it, it, like you said, it's almost a nonstop, right? I mean, the, mm -hmm. the demand, audiences are, have become so, I, I don't know the word, like not physically, but in terms of where their attention span is so spread out that you have to hit all these little channels as well to make up for what it used to mean, like to get written about in the New York times or something or written about on, you know, again, Rolling Stone for musicians, huh. the New York review of books for an off. Like now, no, now there's generations that don't even look at those publications, right? They think yeah. of Rolling Stone as a place that does, that writes uh, wacky stuff about politics. And they think <laughs> of MTV is the pioneer of reality television. And they think of, <laughs> You know, so a, books, a bookstore as uh, something people go if they need to get out of the rain or charge their phone, right? So, <laughs> or meet somebody on a first date to make sure that they're not crazy. Absolutely. So, so the whole, like the whole, you, you, it's not you, you know where you hit the bookstore, you hit the the major spots in 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 a market, and and now it's like you're doing a podcast and you're doing all these little things and you're hoping to pick up 10 views here and 10 yeah. listens here and you know, 10 purchases here. And yeah, I imagine it's exhausting and you must get a lot of people come to you like they're frustrated and they thought, wow, I got a book out. I thought this was going to be like, you know, <laughs> you know, <laughs> flying first class to a, you know, big promotional tour. And I'm, yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it can be a very harsh wake up for some people. So that's exactly why I started my company, right? Because most people come to me in a state of duress, right? So right. most people come to me and they're like, oh my God, Melanie, I'm on TV. What the hell do I do now? You know what I mean? Or then like, I've got another, you know, other clients who are totally like, so I put out this thing six months ago, but I'm not really exactly happy with what's happening and whatever. So people usually come to me because they can't figure out where to start or they're overwhelmed by what's happening. Um, and also to your point as well, our audience, you're right, they're very um, spread thin, but they're also weirdly voracious. Like right. I have another friend of mine who performs regularly. He's, a, he's kind of like a mid-level comedian. He'll, he'll get up there and he'll do an hour's worth of comedy. He'll get off stage and then people are like, so where else can I see you? And you're like, I just did an hour of comedy for you. Like, I, is this not enough? Right. <laughs> so then he's got to bring his comedy albums and t-shirt like things. And I'm doing a podcast. So it's almost like somebody has to be doing like three things, not just the one thing anymore. Right. Um, which drives people crazy. So I also talk a lot with people about workflow. Like what can you handle so that you actually get something finished and you're doing it right? So if you've got a, if, so if you want to be somebody who's like, I want a blog and I want a podcast and I want to do this and that, and I'm like, okay, whoa, whoa, whoa. Why don't you do one blog? See how long it takes you to write. Does it take a whole day? Does it take a week? Why don't you do one podcast? See, does it take a week? Like, is that too hard? Like, you know, 
because we don't want you to go crazy and give make yourself sick trying to do all of this stuff. We want you to last a long time, not just do it once, because a lot of people do everything just once. We want to do it long term. So maybe you just do your podcast once a month. Maybe you do it, maybe you do your blog twice a month. If that's what you can get done, make sure that your audience knows when to expect it and you promote it. You say, my blog comes out the first and, and fourth Monday of every month. And then you tell your audience. So you're clear about it. And then you give them a really nice product. Stop trying to freak yourself out and do all of it, right? So do it well and then tell your audience when they can expect it. Because if you're doing stuff rando and <laughs> your audience is gonna be confused and they don't even know when to start and they're just like, fine with that and right. they're distrustful because so many people start a blog or a podcast or start something but they don't keep up with it and then it just goes dark and then people are like forget it and you lost that brand recognition you know <laughs> love it mitch jackson says get, get things done and i think a, a great part of that is like it helps to be on a, an ongoing, like you have a podcast, you have a blog, you're doing, so if you do it once a month, but you do it for three years, yeah, you know, it's just like, okay, somebody who's going to hire you to speak or, or you, you yeah. want to get a book deal, whatever. the fact that they can say you're a blogger, you're a podcaster, um, all that stuff is a, is a big help. Um, but you know, I'm I'm just thinking about like all the different things that 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 people are doing online, and for me, um, I I find that I do better like thinking of my shows in terms of seasons, right? Like, mm. I go for a certain like usually in the spring, I go like four or five months of doing shows without a break, but in the summer, I do like like this year, I really compressed it. Like, I'm doing two a week in August. Mm -hmm. Then I take a month or two off. Then I'm going to do or not not a month or two. Believe me, it'll be like three weeks, but <laughs> it'll be like, like a couple of days. But you get the idea. Like, is, what do you think of that? Like a series of sprints rather than just like once a week or once a month or whatever. But you do a group of shows. Or you do mm -hmm. a camp sort of like a campaign and then you stop a little bit. You, you refresh and then you come at it. So when you're visible, you're really visible. And when you're away, you kind of get away from it and you're not online all the time. That's a really good point. And I think that as long as you tell your audience what you're doing, as long as you are crystal clear with them, like you guys, it's the summer, I've got time. I'm so passionate about this. I wanna just bang some out for the next couple months. We're gonna do this from July to September. And I hope you come with me on it. As long as you're clear about it, you let them know, they will come with you. Mm -hmm. If you're not clear about it, and then all of a sudden one week there's three podcasts and then six weeks go by and then there's nothing. And then there's <laughs> one and then another month goes by and then there's two. It's like people don't know when to tune in. They don't know how or when to do this. It's already so difficult for them to connect already. Don't be the thing that's making it more difficult. Like you've already got so many things working against you. Like don't be your own static. You know what I mean? Right, like, don't do right. it to yourself. So welcome, Nick Rishwain. Good to see you. Nick's got a great show tonight, 9 p.m. Eastern Social Chefs with Christian Karasevich. Um, Sarah asked a question. It's kind of an inside music industry question, but she says, why does it feel like A&R is dead at times in music? And for those not in the music industry, what is A and what is R? <laughs> well, this is something that is um, it's something that is constantly I feel like is changing so much. 
Um, and it's something that used to be, you know, you know, finding the musicians, promoting them, putting out them all that and putting them, putting out their music and stuff like that, promoting them. And it's something that is, it, it is just changed so much. So I have clients that have, have been, um, you know, uh, um, approached by record labels. Um, and what they're looking for is that people come to the table already with audiences plugged in. So the development stuff isn't happening as much anymore, which is why you have to be your own record label. You have to be your own person that's doing it all yourself. You know what I mean? But so that um, you are an asset. So it used to be that, you know, like here's the, the grid, right? Like that. And it used to be that like, you know, you would grow like that. And the record labels used to come in down here, like very low. But now they want to come in up here when you're already a success. It's just that that's the, 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 the very, very, very challenging thing about it, which means it's almost like same thing with comedy. It's like HBO wants you to bring an HBO crowd to HBO. Right. You know what I mean? And it's like, wait, well, I'm I'm one person. You know what I mean? But they're all, they want to they want you to go through a filter they want they want to know if you've already been tried and true out there. It's it's mostly right. because there's no more money. There's the money is gone. You know what I mean? The, the the millions of dollars to just see if you can make six albums is like so gone. Where did they it want, go? Uh, I well, I think most of it. A few things. I think that you know the crash of two thousand eight really <laughs> took a lot of money away from a lot of people. And I also feel like, too, because people get free music all the time, people don't want to pay me for music, which mm -hmm. is what brings us back to the original conversation. You know, it's like I can pay iTunes or Apple Music $10 a month. I mean, I, and I'm a total music geek. I have all of my music on vinyl from the 80s and 90s and things of that sort. But I can listen to Sly and the Family Stone. I was listening to the Stooges today. I just pressed a button right. for free. I mean, I pay them $10 a month, but like, is that the amount that the Stooges should be probably getting? Like, I, I probably not. They're probably <laughs> getting pennies from it. That sucks. Right, <laughs> right. I mean, I, I think I have a $10 a month subscription to Spotify so I can listen when I don't have connect, you know, I don't have, um, I, I don't have Wi Fi or, or internet connection. But what's interesting, right. what's interesting is like, it's not that long ago that when I traveled, I would have to figure out, okay, which CDs will I take with me? Let me make sure I've got, right? And then it was, how many songs can I get on, you know, how many albums can I get on my iPod? Or how much music, like, can I can I squeeze a few more songs on? Right. And now, with $10 a month for Spotify, I can go anywhere in the world, and I've got, you know, that has internet connection uh, enough. And even if I don't have internet connection, I can download stuff and keep it for 30 days or whatever. So I have, like in my phone without even using any memory space, I have pretty much almost every piece of music that yeah. I would ever want to listen to at any time from any genre. But you also have other platforms like YouTube and things that that's sort of right. like, I have a 12 year old son who listens to music on there and I'm always asking them like, what is this band? Can you right. buy the album? I would love to give them my money. Like I want them to eat today. <laughs> I want them to make more music for you. Like get in the habit of paying for it. You know what I mean? But it's, it's almost like it's challenging because it's so much easier to get Spotify. It's so much easier to get, you know, iTunes or Apple Music or what have you. Right. So it's the climate of it. It's the climate of the current situation of, of getting music. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about you personally because you've got an interesting story. You worked as an actor. You worked as uh, a director. You do stand-up comedy. And 
It's in your bio, so I'll ask you about it. Um, your your acting career kind of came to a halt when mm-hmm. you were shot by an ex girlfriend mm-hmm. who was an, an ex cop or a cop at the time. Yeah, she was a New York City police officer. I know everyone right now is like, "What did they just say?" Like that's her. <laughs> <laughs> then people go like this with a gun. You were shot with a gun. Yeah. So. Um, it was a very, uh, you know, unfortunately, alcohol and guns do not go together. Um, I am not, uh, I, I was a little bit more accepting of firearms until this happened. I understand why people have firearms. You know, I'm from the Midwest. I understand that people live in rural areas. Oh, my God, of course, you know, there should be guns. But um this I was the victim of somebody who was handling their gun and they were intoxicated and they pulled the trigger and the and I was shot. It went through my leg. And okay. um due to that, it uh the shock of that and the trauma of it really um really changed my life. Like I will never be the same from that. It was terrible. Mm-hmm. How how long did it take you to recover? So it the, the bullet went through my leg, like right above my knee, like in and out. Oh. So um, it's so interesting that the doctor that was looking at my leg, he was like, you are so lucky that I mean, like one, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, a little bit this way or a little bit that way. Like they were even worried that where the bullet came out that I would have to, that it severed the artery or, you know, uh, that I would have blown my kneecap off or what have you. So um, my dad then after that bought me, um, the domain luckiestgirlintheworld.com. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> I know. It was very sweet because everybody's like, you are so lucky. Um, I don't feel like it was lucky at the time. It really fucking sucked. But uh, oh, I don't mean to swear. You probably have really nice people listening. Um, <laughs> I'm a wild animal. Sorry. Go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. We're, on the, we're on the internet. There are no rules. You know that. Come what may. Um, yeah. So, uh, so, yeah. So that... Um, that really changed my life. But this is why some people come to work with me mm-hmm. because they've written books about horrible life-changing experiences. They've, they've, uh, you know, documentaries about them, you know, their suicide attempts that, you know, like I, I work with people that sometimes have turned these terrible things that have happened to them into their lot in their lives into their passion project. And they know that I will not, be flipped out about it or give them some sort of weird advice or what have you like i understand it i understand it from all sides i understand it from being the victim i understand that from being the performer i understand that from the side of promotion and how vulnerable you can feel by talking about your most personal stuff in a public setting right right how long did it take you to recover like how long um, you were back on you? Like, I mean, and you said you'll never, you'll never be quite the same again, but boy, you're yeah. full of life. You're full of energy. You're, you're a lot of fun. You have great ideas. Yeah. You're working hard. You're accomplishing a lot of things. When did you feel like, okay, I am going to have a no- somewhat normal life again and that I can do things that I want to do. I can, uh, I can go back to, I'm back at work. I'm back at, at living back at relationships like how long did it take to unwind from that let alone recover physically and 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 emotionally yeah so uh about two o'clock this afternoon so <laughs> just joking <laughs> <laughs> mitch says mitch jackson says you were shot you could say whatever you want <laughs> 
It's free pass. Go ahead. Throw a few more f bombs. Yeah, you know I mean. they're shot. coming. They're <laughs> coming. I'm going to strategically place them. Strategically place them. Um, that's a really good question. So physically, I do have some stuff um, that you know it's hard for me to like move my knee. Like if I take a spinning class, you know, right. I and I, I it just my body has shifted to accommodate this injury. Um, but mostly, it's it's all very psychological. So if mm -hmm. you're somebody that has, you know, demons in your past. So, you know, I'm a recovering addict. I'm sober a really long time. I come from a lot of victim-y stuff. Right. A lot of people have this. So if you already are kind of your operating system is already set up for this kind of victim, uh, you know, messaging, and then something actually happens where you are a victim and it lines up like that, boy, that is some really powerful stuff. It's taken me a really long time to get it together where I am. It's not a part of my daily dialogue. People do ask me about it because it is such a like, <laughs> what? Like, uh, let's talk about it. Um, but it's not a part of my daily life so much anymore. So I would, I mean, really, in all honesty, I would have to say that it probably took me like 10 years to like mm -hmm. get to the point where I wasn't, um, you know, still going for terrible relationships um, still, you know, acting out in certain ways or, you know, harming myself and, and not necessarily through drugs and alcohol, but just, you know, everything mm -hmm. that we do in this life, whether it's spending money we don't have or, you know, bad business decisions or whatever it is, you know what I mean? Like, I get it. And, and again, this is why people work with me because I've, I've, I've done it. I understand it. I'm not just going to give you a list of things to do. Right. I'm going to say like, yes, I've had that experience. This is how I got through it to the other side. Wow. That, that's, it's an amazing story. Um, Nick Richwine asks, he'd love to know how comedy helped you to recover from me. <laughs> <laughs> um, comedy. It's really interesting because I have to be very careful with talking about this stuff sometimes on stage mm -hmm. because it's taken me a very long to talk about getting shot on stage. Cause what happens is I'll tell the audience that I've been shot and all of a sudden the audience gets concerned because they just found out about it. So they think it just happened. Right. And I'm all like, no, no, it's okay. <laughs> Like, you guys, calm down. It's all right. Um, so I've actually, because this is what happens. I tell people and it stops them in their tracks. And then they're like, they want to figure it out. So their brains stop, start working. So what I've had to learn how to do is I've had to sandwich it with some other things that I know will let them off the hook to let them know that I'm okay and that this is something that happened a while ago. Mm -hmm. Also, with comedy and trauma in people's lives, when I've seen other people talk about traumatic situations in their life, because comedy is all about talking about dark stuff that we think is funny, right? Right. So if I see a comic on stage talking about their breakup or their divorce or whatever it is, and it's too close to the topic and they haven't processed it enough yet, the audience will not laugh, right? So mm -hmm. it's all about our point of view. So, and that's really interesting too, because when you're talking about because comedy is just talking out loud. And it's the same thing with being online, right? We're talking about our experiences online. And unless we have a point of view about it, our audience is going to get like, what's happening right now? Like, mm -hmm. I, I don't even know what, are you like dumping or venting? Like, I, I don't know what's happening. They won't, they won't understand and they won't feel comfortable. Right. And when you have a brand, you want our audience, their audience, you want your audience to feel comfortable with you, not alarmed. You don't go to Starbucks Starbucks because you feel alarmed by them. Right. You go to Starbucks <laughs> because you're like, I'm gonna get my needs met. Right, and you right. Get met 
every single time you go. So <laughs> there's that consistency there. Yes, um, yes. Do you kind of live the comic lifestyle? Like, do you hang out at the club after? And oh my god, you know, I, I was at I was at Cantor's and sit around until last they, night eating a pastrami on rye after I did my <laughs> my bit at the VA hospital. I you know I'm also a, a mom and I'm you know I, I have I have a I have a partner so I try not to be out too late. But yes, I, I do have a nightlife that does. Uh, happen pretty frequently so which is great for working for myself because mm -hmm. my boss is okay with me coming into work sometimes <laughs> your boss is okay a, with you having a at side 11, job at 11 a.m you know she's right. okay i go i go i can't come in until 11 and she goes that's cool you're fine <laughs> what's it like I, I always wonder what's it like at the comedian's table where you're sitting around and you're, you're, you're eating after a show and you're joking around and whatever. I mean, whenever they've shown like little glimpses of that on TV, it's like, it's more funny than the show. Oh my God. <laughs> well, it's interesting. Cause most comics are, they're not sometimes always funny in real life. Like I was sitting with two comics last night and, and they were great on hilarious on stage, but it was all very real talk around dinner. So it actually wasn't funny at all. <laughs> you know right, I mean? right. So I, you know, and, and comics can be very awkward sometimes. And, you know, so it's, it's very, it's a very weird mix sometimes, but right. I love doing it. So I deal with it. <laughs> wow. So how long have you been doing it? So I started doing it probably uh, like maybe 12 years ago. Mm -hmm. And then um, I had my son and comedy is not great for having a small child when you're out at night. You know right. what I mean? So, you know, unless you just want to leave a bowl of water for them and crack the window, you know, so. Um, <laughs> so you're just like, mommy will be back in the morning. Um, yeah. So I, I and when I got married, uh, my, my my wonderful wife and child and I finally was like, I right. I need to return to my comedy. And I thought that they would feel like I was abandoning them. And they were like, go, like, get out, go, go do your <laughs> thing. So I have a tremendous amount of support, which is, I, I feel, I'm, I'm so, I feel so blessed to have that because they support me in it. And they know that if I eat a quick dinner and I'm running out the door, I'm not getting any bad vibes that I'm going and everybody's stoked about it. So I get a lot of support right, to do it. Right. And I guess it fits in in a way with your um, your clients because you're one of them, right? You're not just a PR person. You're you're somebody who has to promote. And yeah. I guess my question is, you know how like doctors go to another doctor? Do you consult with other people on your PR or do you do your own PR completely? Oh, my God. Totally. So this is the problem. And this is what I tell my clients all the time is the reason why you're so bad at writing your bio is because you wrote it. That's why we sucked right. at this stuff because we're doing it right. So it's always great to get that fresh pair of eyes. So when I was rebranding my company, yes, I worked with a business coach, even though mm -hmm. I brand people's companies and themselves, even though I do right. that for people, I might have a very warped perception about it because mm -hmm. it's me. So yes, we do need that other pair of eyes to help us understand the, maybe the vibe we're giving off or, or how am I per being perceived? Maybe they've got a better idea of what, how it, it actually should look. So always, mm -hmm. I totally work with business coaches. Um, and I, and I totally work with people that help with the comedy as well. People who get really great insight, things of that sort. You cannot work in a vacuum. Right. You're gonna, it's not good. It's not good. 
Now, a lot of the people who watch the show are, are live streamers. They're social media people, um, podcasters, people like that. What do you recommend for people who are, say, they're doing a weekly podcast or a weekly live stream show or they have a blog and they want to draw more traffic to whatever, whatever it is they're doing online? What do you think are either some easy steps people can take or sometimes it's easier to stop doing the wrong things, right? Like some of the things that... <laughs> You know, you, you often, right, right, right. Like you have to uh, talk some of your clients down about don't do that, right? Because they think, yeah, just, like, well, what are some easy tips that people can do to maybe step up their act without a whole lot of changing their workflow right away? Right. So, what I tell people to do is the first thing that I tell people to do is to write a description of what they're doing. Mm -hmm. or to write a bio about themselves because that clarity all of a sudden people are like right what is my podcast about right and then i go google it is somebody else doing the same exact podcast as you like you want to make sure that you've at least found your little corner of the internet right mm -hmm. so if you want to talk about you know rescue animals or something like uh, great but maybe you've got to take it to a like maybe specifically a kind of breed or how rescue animals are being of service to people. Like you gotta like, it's not just the thing anymore. It's like the thing plus the smaller part, like the byline, right? So I always tell people Googling stuff is really important to make sure that you know what's out there and what's out there about you. Write a bio, get a description, get some photos that really reflect what you're doing. So if you're writing a children's book, you don't want to have a photo of you smoking a cigarette like with like black and white noir photo. You know what I mean? Like that doesn't work. You know what I mean? Like and then same thing, if you're writing some Charles Bukowski stuff, you shouldn't have you like on a playground like you know what I mean? Like no, like bleh. like you got to figure out what's the message you want to get across to people, you know? If you're an accountant, you really don't want to have a picture of you in your swimsuit on your LinkedIn profile. Oh my God, that is awful. And I know it's happened. I know it has. Like I can, oh my God, that's so, that's so scary. Um, so figuring out what that image is because people make decisions based on what they see first, right? And those mm -hmm. images are going to be the first thing that they see, whether it's on your website, your social media or whatever. So if you need help making sure that they look more elevated, then you need a couple pair of eyes to take a look at that and be like, I think you're not on the right path there you know what i mean or figure it out and here's the thing even if you're doing it for yourself how can you just make better decisions about the choices that you're doing so another way that i tell people too is that if you're somebody who's front of an audience all the time like for for comedy for me i always tell my comedian friends get a picture of yourself in front of an audience so that says hey i book a show right. hey i get people there you know what i mean you don't want to just be like you on stage because anybody can get that photo if you're in front of an audience, it says something else, right? Or if it's the thing that you're promoting, like the book or the podcast, like how can you then in that banner photo, you know, put the description of it, like, you know, this is this podcast every other Monday here, boom, you know what I mean? Right, very, right. very clear messaging about when they're going to get it and how <laughs> they're going to get it. And then you got to coach them through it and you got to hang on to yourself if the first five times you do it, you're not shot out of a cannon because that's what right. happens. Most people stop because they're not getting the validation. So mm -hmm. people love to tell me like, I just don't get Twitter. And I'm like, you don't get Twitter because nobody's liking your tweets. You know, we go over to Facebook and it's all like, love it, like it, love it, like it. You know what I mean? There's so much love over there. 
it's not any different. It's just that we don't, where we don't get validation, we have a tendency to kind of like move away from it. So mm -hmm. you've got to keep doing it. So don't stop. Don't stop. Keep, keep, keep doing it. So you keep going. And like we were also saying too, like you said, you go through spurts. And I would also tell some people like you can record a couple podcasts or do a couple blogs and put them in the bank. So even right. if you're not, even if you can't write one every other week or whatever, do five or six at a time. You schedule them so that you know that they're going to go out at that time. Make sure to promote them. Tell people on every single platform. This is when this is happening. This is when it's happening. So you're not breaking your back to do this stuff, right? Again, mm -hmm. it's having getting to finish it, finishing it all up. Do you have some favorite tools for using for social media to either get your stuff in front of more people, to grow your following, that 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 help in addition to producing the good content and engaging? Right. I do. I love Crowdfire. Um, Crowdfire is one of my favorite uh, apps to help people um, through the follow and unfollow process. So in a perfect world, you want to be, you want to have more of a following than you're following because it gives the okay. impression that you're more popular, <laughs> that more people want you than you want them. We just have to remember at the end of the day, we're all just animals and right. we're all like, I don't know, do I like you? Does somebody else like you? You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> we're so weird. <laughs> It's so it is so messed up, you know what I mean? <laughs> but if you can kind of work with it in an authentic way, um, and don't be a douchebag about it, you know, and I'm always like, just try not to look like a douchebag, you know what I mean? So what you can do is the great thing about this platform is is it can show you what this is what I love about it, inactive accounts. If you're following a bunch of accounts that haven't posted in the past one, three, or six months. And it's not somebody that you want to continue or see if they come back, goodbye, just unfollow them. Because a lot of people start a Twitter account or start an Instagram, and then they just kind of fade away. You know what I mean? And it's like, why am I wasting a follow on you? A follow is currency. It's currency right. in this day and age. It's really important, you know? So I love finding out what the inactive accounts are. Um, I also love, uh, then I can also go over and um, whoever's not following me back now. I follow a bunch of accounts that don't follow me back. You know what I mean? I'm following Amy Schumer. She's not following me back yet. Soon. Wait till Amy right. finds out about me. She <laughs> will follow me back. Um, but, you know, I want to see what she's she's doing. I I, I, I love what she does. I, 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 I want to watch her and see how she does it all. That is currency to me, right? If she's not following me back, that's okay. If it's just somebody who I, I'm not quite sure what their whole deal is, and I can unfollow them, it's not a, it's not a big deal. It doesn't it's not serving me in any way, shape, or form. Sometimes then, you have to do a little cleanup. <laughs> sometimes. And then the other thing is that you can do this thing called copy followers, right? So there are other comedians that are very similar to me. We would have the same exact demographic, mm -hmm. and so what I do is I go over to their account. And then I, I and I follow some of their followers. And all I'm saying is, hi, I'm Melanie. That, that's all I'm saying. I'm just kind of, I'm letting that follow be an introduction to them because they'll get a notification that says Melanie Vesey is following you. And if they want to follow back, great. And then I've made tons of really awesome connections like that, right. both for my business and because I do comedy and I'm trying to get people out of their living rooms and into their cars and into the comedy club. I right. can be very st strategic about who I'm following and who's following me back, right? So I love Crowdfire for those reasons. Copy followers, inactive followers, and not and people who aren't following you back. And you can work with those three things 
to kind of help grow your numbers in a real right. way instead of buying followers, which I don't agree with. I think yeah. you, you just need to kind of hack away at it and slow and steady wins the race. Yeah, I mean, I don't. First of all, I don't think buying followers is very ethical. But even if it were acceptable, you still get the whole poked in it, right? When you've got too many followers, and you then you somebody tweets and there's no reaction, you know, amongst their three mm -hmm. million followers, nobody, not one thought that that, that could be an interesting. Not tweet. one. Well, it's right? funny because Jim Jeffries and uh, this other guy, I can't remember his name, big guy, were having a huge fight. And Jim Jeffries did exactly that. He called him out on it. He was like, weird, you're 5 million followers and you've got no, like, he's like, you're a fraud. And that's the whole deal. And it was like, oh, like, and you know, here's the thing. If you, if you buy a couple hundred here and there, because you're trying to get over 5,000 and that would make you feel good, <laughs> then fine, buy a couple hundred. It's not a big deal. Don't buy 5,000 and expect to get any sort of real traction. It's no one's going to buy anything. No one's going to go anywhere. It's going to be a total fake. And that is that's not cool. That is not going to help you in any way, shape or form. On the other hand, there's a lot of social media people who say, oh, followers don't matter. It's only about engagement. Or if you have a small followers do matter. And, mm -hmm. and um, it's not you. Uh, OK, so, yes, in an ideal world, if you have this great marketing funnel set up, you you put a blog post on there and it leads somebody back to your website and all of a sudden they become fascinated by what you're selling and uh -huh. they sign up for your email list and six months later they buy a Twinkie from your website and you're now, you know, retiring and you're wealthy. But the uh -huh. bottom line is if you, when people go look to decide, are you relevant? Are you worth having at a comedy club? Are you worth, bringing into a stadium or you're should we give you a book deal or a tv show they're not interested in whether your funnel's working or whether you're you've gotten how much traffic back to your website or how many great conversations you're having they're looking at this as a shorthand and going twenty thousand followers okay okay let's let's take a look at the book Mm -hmm. Or so, they're going 150 followers, and even if those 150 are buying thirty thousand dollars worth of merchandise together, they're going, nope, not worth the paper it's going to be published on. Unfortunately, you're 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 spot on with that. I mean, unfortunately, I've heard of bookers that are totally like, we will not book you at our event unless you have over twenty thousand followers. Like they, that's like they're cut off. Like they don't even right. care. And, and then also just to echo the thing about, you know, buying the followers. So if you get 20,000 people to follow you, I mean, if you buy the 20,000 and then somebody hires you, they're like, hey, I want you to come do my big event. And then you post and nobody shows up. Oh, they'll find out. And you right. will be so freaking embarrassed because right. you're like, oh, 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 I'm sorry. Did nobody come <laughs> when you were, you know, hoping that 20,000 people would show up to this, this venue? So yeah, and, and people, especially with authors, it's really interesting because the publishing world, which is totally screwed up, it's all, it's everywhere. They will not look at you. They will not give you a book deal if you have a, under a certain amount. And it's, Was it like 10,000 if you don't have 10,000? I, I don't know what the magic number is, but I have had more amazing authors, people who write on TV shows, like people who are like totally worth it coming mm -hmm. to me and saying, yeah, no, I, nothing happened. I didn't have enough followers on Twitter. Like that's what it came down to. 
<sighs> Again, these industries want you to bring the audience that they used to help you get, they want you to bring it to them. So, and this is why I always tell people, like I have another client and they're um, uh, working on releasing their movie online and they want to do it in the next couple months. And we're talking about, well, should we do it in a couple months or should we do it in six months after we've gotten a following, right? Because mm -hmm. they should have started this process the second they rolled, you know, action, right? Mm -hmm. A year ago, right? Because during that time, we could slowly, uh, yeah. you know, garner a real audience over time, right? So mm -hmm. you don't want to wait. Don't wait until the thing is done. You start now, right now. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing how, like, on one hand, these these forms of communication and the potential to go viral or have a have a hit that was unexpected, right, gives everybody the thought that if I get on and I just do it, there could be instant results at a faster pace than you could have gotten before, right? Like, I I when I started out in radio, I would have to go find like a place to go record. Uh, you know, now I'm I'm hosting shows from from my home office, right? Yeah. But before, like, if I wanted to have uh an audio of myself uh, speaking into a microphone and doing a a newscast or a sportscast or something, I would have to go find a studio to record it in, and uh -huh. you know. I, I might have to sweep the floor or volunteer to do something or whatever in exchange for, hey, can I get five minutes to record right. this so I can apply right. for a job? And, right. and so, yes, everybody can get it. So you can faster, if you have talent, ramp things up in terms of getting your career going and things like that. But ultimately, it's like step by step with social media. If you want to have a quality audience, it's you got to just keep at it. And most people like when it doesn't click right away, like I remember the day, like I got my first follower and I got a hundred, <gasps> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Oh, uh -huh. wait, maybe I shouldn't be following a thousand people. Like, you know, or something. but, but you know, and then, uh -huh. it, and then it takes off. And if you engage a lot and you, you stay at it a little bit every day, it'll, it'll grow. Or if you stay, if you, you know, like one time when I broke my arm and I didn't have much to do, I was like tweeting all day. I mean, you can, you can get like 150 followers a day just through engagement. No mm -hmm. tricks, no apps, nothing. Totally. And, and they can be real followers who are interested in what you're interested in. Mm -hmm. um, but slow and steady is better than trying to do it all and then crashing and not doing it at all because that's the only way to build that audience, like you said, is to do it over long term. And I don't think people... I mean, I know people who I like advise, like, you know, you really should start. Yeah. Like, I can't believe, and and, and I, maybe you've had, have you ever spoken at, at like colleges or grad school students or anything where, like, I asked, like, how many people here are blogging? Mm. One hand goes up. Oh, yeah, mm. I did something six months ago. Like, mm. anybody here have a Twitter account? Yeah, well, I do, but it's private and I use it just to message my friends and yeah. somebody else. I had one for a while, but I only had 13. Like, do you understand that? Like, even in this day where we're oversaturated with content, the people that you're going to be competing against for jobs aren't doing it either. So perhaps mm. if once a month you wrote a blog post on something you were interested in or you, you attended a couple of Twitter chats and shared something you like about your business. You'll be the only one that goes in the job interview that somebody can actually Google and go, wow, she really does like this field or he really <laughs> does know something or whatever. And 
you think that there's so much noise out there that it can't make a difference. And yet most people, most people, this whole world that we're talking about doesn't exist for. Yeah, no, it's a really good point. It's, and when I was I, in the beginning, I listened to a lot of webinars with people that right. crush in this area. And I was listening to, you know, uh, Jack Canfield is, he writes yeah. Chicken Soup of the Soul. And he is like a monster at promotion, like a monster. Right. And he talked about his, the way that he cross promotes, like he wrote Chicken Soup for the so Soul for dogs. And then, <laughs> and then he cross promoted it with Petco. And then what he did was every time that you bought this bag of Purina dog food, you got a book with it. So that means Purina bought 250,000 copies of it so that it could then go with the dog food and then pet coat. I mean, it was brilliant. Like it was the wow. most brilliant thing. And people were like, well, when do you start promoting your book? He goes, I start promoting it before I start writing it. Like right. he's like, and I'm like, oh my God, like that's what I have to tell people. But most people come to me when they've kind of like popped out from behind their typewriter or their computer and they're like, oh, I, I wrote a book, you know what I mean? And I'm like, oh my God, like no matter what you're doing through the process, just tell people what you're doing. And it doesn't have to be, everything has to be like a selfie. Like it doesn't have to be gross. It could just be like, this is what I'm doing today, right? Mm -hmm. I'm just sharing some inspiration. I'm sharing some gratitude. I'm just letting you know what's going on because there's a difference between trying to get something and trying to give something. We're just trying to give, like we're having a conversation. Right, right. It's a much better way to think about it than trying to be like, where's my shit? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> and, hey, we got you got a video series coming out. Tell us about that, what, what you're doing with the video. Oh my God, I'm so excited about learn. that. So, um, you know, promotional rescue, I work pe with people usually one-on-one, -on -one, and then I have workshops a couple times during the year. Uh, and if you live in LA, you can come to the workshops. They're affordable and great. But I, I work with so many people all over the world, but if you can't afford me, I've created this video series so that you get all of the information, uh, you know, that I give when I work with people one-on-one -on -one and in my workshops. You can watch this video series for a fraction of the cost, and then you have the information uh, wow. You can you can do it at your own pace or when you have free time or, you know, most people when they're doing these passion projects or if they're launching a business, they're usually trying to like fit it in around everything else that's going on in mm -hmm. their life. So they might not even have time to meet with a coach yet, but they can watch, you know, a 30 or 40 minute video or a 10 minute video that helps them exactly what we're talking about about branding, about social media, about outreach, and how not to feel gross about it. So that's gonna be coming in the next month or so. I'm working with my video guy now. I'm really excited about it. This is why I started this company, was so that people could get this information and just do a much, much, much better job with them than what they're normally doing. Well, that's awesome. Keep us posted and I uh, definitely look forward to sharing that and, and telling people about it. This was a blast. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is just amazing. I mean, you're fantastic, and uh, you definitely have to come back on uh, again. Maybe live stream stars or one of the other one of I the other it. shows. I, I'd love to have you back on. And um, wow, that was just a, that was a great. I feel like I learned so much. I'm glad. And tell everybody if you're. I don't know if you're. Some people watching must be where you're going to be doing stand-up comedy. If you, if there are any seats still remaining, where can people find you? Oh, my God. I perform enough. Believe me, there's plenty to go around. Um, so you can, uh, if you want to know more about me personally and when I'm performing, you can watch all of my movies, things of that sort. You can go over to MelanieVessi.com. 
uh, and you can watch all my stuff and, and my comedy videos are there and you, it's also got my schedule up and you know, like this Friday I'll be headlining at the comedy store, which is going to be a great show. Um, you, you can keep up with me there and, and you can follow me on all of my social media there. That stuff is separate from the promotional rescue side of it. So there's promotionalrescue.com and then there's melaniebessie.com. Two different awesome. worlds. <laughs> that and are weirdly also, mixed together <laughs> and there's also livestreamuniverse.com check it out we have a new resources page take a look we also have some other new features just check it out uh continuing to work on that now that we're back and going full steam ahead professor nez is our guest the professor joins us on monday night 7 p.m eastern we're going to talk about linkedin and video and a lot more he's doing shows all the time and uh just has brought so much energy to live streaming I, I can't wait to talk to him on monday night melanie vesey thank you so much it's it's been great having you on and have a great evening everybody thank you bye ross thanks